All right. Uh, our guests, Russell Pike, and you have made a new book. Yes, I have. I'm excited to talk about it. All right. I guess where to start. Uh, how many people are familiar with steampunk? I am definitely familiar. Yeah, I awesome. am. Yep. Yeah. It's Snow Crash. That's what really did the whole net thing and all of that. Is the <laughs> Proto and Neuromancer. That's cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. Oh, that's true. That's true. Steampunk is more Brandon Sanderson. He's done some steampunk stuff. and He's done some steampunk stuff. Uh, Jim Butcher has done some steampunk yes. stuff. Anybody here Jim Butcher fans? I am definitely a D- Jim Butcher fan. Have you read Aeronauts Windless? It's the new one he put out. Is Dresden Files, mostly. Dresden Files, really good. Yeah, he just put out a steampunk book. Just for anybody who doesn't know, steampunk is a fusion of fantasy and science fiction if you like either you will probably like steampunk uh it takes a lot of its cues from the steam age the industrial revolution yeah stuff yeah. like that except it throws some spins on it where you know you might have a steam-powered airship or a steam-powered ai they're taking the what are the modern technology and putting it in a time period but instead where they didn't have the technology behind it yeah. uh, the batteries and everything you start having like... the steam have you guys played Arcanum, the PC game? Well, it's the ultimate steampunk game. Hmm. There aren't very many out there, but anyways. But yeah, the series I'm writing, it is a steampunk-inspired series. It is going to be a series of novellas, which are just eh, slightly smaller than a full-length novel. The idea behind this is to write a series for people that nobody has any time these days. This is a series that gets in, makes its point, doesn't overstay its welcome, and due to the length, I can publish multiple co- I can publish uh, multiple titles a year as opposed to waiting, you know, five years for the next book in your favorite series to come out. Looking at you, George R. R. Martin. Um, <laughs> five. I thought that was twenty. <laughs> yeah. Or fifty. He's going for the record. <laughs> but the series is called Under the Nine Suns. Available. You can go get the. Uh, there's a the first story. Uh, you can go to underthenineSuns.com. Oh, excellent. Yeah, you're just looking it up. It's. Well, uh, I also have, uh, you sent us the kit from earlier. Oh, yeah, so. the MIDI kit. Yeah, you can head over, over to the website. You can, today, we will be posting, there is an absolutely free short story. Came out in the PDF. It was like about 70 or something pages. So short-ish, enough <laughs> to give you a good bite of uh, what's going on. If you go online, if you get if you get expected difficulties, which is on Amazon right now, I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a moment. That is illustrated by Bob Beeson. He is an artist here in Pocatello. He's amazing. He did the mascot comic for a while. If you like awesome art, you'll like the. It's it's hard not to like Bob's art. It really is that good. He's got a. There's just a warmth to the character of what he does. The colors, the uh, the facial expressions, it's great. You got to go see that. And there's a whole bunch of his drawings, on the website. That's under the nine suns.com. You can go and check that out. But aside from that, yeah, there's one full-page illustration per chapter, and there's a frontispiece. So there's seven in expected difficulties, and if you want to go online, you can... uh, I got full wallpaper versions of everything, so if you like one in particular. Nice. So we can continue to decorate the podcast room. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That said, yeah, if you want to go and if you want to see what the story is about, just kind of a try it before you buy it. If you go onto the website, there's an opportunity on the homepage. You can sign up for the Under the Nine Suns Insider Newsletter. If you sign up for that, uh, you will get a free copy of Second Chances, which is a story set in the same universe. It follows the main character. 
and you can read that if you like it go ahead there's a link at the end of it you can go get the first story expected nice. difficulties which is 99 cents on amazon i mean that, that's pocket money you can find that in your couch go do it <laughs> or literally in your pocket yeah yes. or literally yeah. in your pocket <laughs> yeah this is a story it uh follows a guy by the name of calron Velas, who is the he's the hero of our story that's a good steampunk name yeah mm -hmm. i know right took a while to come up with that one <laughs> throwing you know point stuff out of a scrabble bag to like yeah. found something that worked <laughs> It's better than Star Wars names, really. It's like, let's shake this up, lay down Darth Maul. <laughs> <laughs> Set the keyboard a few times. Yeah. See, well, that looks kind of like a word, I guess. I don't know. Kylo Ren? I've sure. never <laughs> named anything like that. Never. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Calrin Velas, he is the hero of our story. He lives in a city called Archibus in a place that they call the Many Worlds. Uh, basically what we've got, it's a world where everybody lives on these big floating earthbergs, which are the size of continents, which kind of float through this place called the Sea of Clouds. You use these things called cloud cruisers, which travel back and forth between the various bergs. And that's how people get around. Now, is this also, you know, how some stories have, you know, even though it's a fantasy world, they're kind of based in a concept of the real world. Do you have anything like that, or is this a full? Uh, no, this is fully its own place. Okay, but this is where Cal lives, and he lives in uh, he lives in a place in a city called Archibus, which is a trade city, and uh, the place is kind of the poison tree frogs of cities. It's uh, bright, it's colorful, it's interesting, but it's really dangerous just because of all the piracy, smuggling, and everything that tends to go around. Cal works for an organization called the Aleph Association which is a organization that believes in spreading arcane knowledge and protecting the interests of its members. And as an agent, it's Cal's job to step in and help people when something goes wrong, which things often do. So when there's assassins, somebody's uncontrolled mechanical horror goes on the loose, supernatural monsters, Cal's a guy who gets called in and has to go deal with it. However, as we find out, Cal's society is far from perfect. It's actually growing more corrupt every year, which is something he comments on. And in the course of his investigations, he starts to become aware of this conspiracy inside his hometown. And the more he learns about it, the more he realizes how bad this is. And this is uh, learning about this is what drives the plot and sets Cal on his goal to find the truth or get devoured by the shadows. You have to have to read the books to find out which. <laughs> how would you describe the tone of your books? Is it gritty or is it heroic or is it in between? I would say it's in between. If you like Jim Butcher, if you like that kind of style, you're going to like this. I'd say my style is fairly similar to his. I really like Jim Butcher. I love um, Jim Butcher. Not all flowers and rainbows. Definitely there are some bad things that are going, you know, this is this is a corrupt society Cal lives in. Right. And he's got to deal with that. Sounds really interesting. And how how is your, because I noticed your, um, there's a differentiation between the magic and the science. How do you delineate the two? Well, there's a few different uh, disciplines in the world that Cal lives in. Specifically, the kind of steampunking technology that they use is something called Alkaotech, which is something that they've created. It runs off a mineral called Alk, which they use to feed their boilers. It produces an energy kind of like electricity, and that's what they run their machines off of. And this is all over the place. You know, it's like electricity in our age, and it's modernized their world. Everybody uses, you know, Cal's pen runs off Alkaotech. Um, <laughs> Um, at the same time, there's a lot of arcane disciplines, like in particular, Cal is an Atonweald, which is a kind of arcane discipline that exists in his world. As, as an agent, that's what he was trained in. One thing the Aleph Association believes in is training people, spreading this knowledge, giving people, giving people power, teaching them, you're strong enough to stand on your own. 
here's the tools to go do it with. These are things that Cal believes in. In his adventures, he tries to live up to these ideals. Not always perfectly. He's not a perfect individual, but he tries. Okay. Okay. So science and magic, they're both uh, separate trained disciplines? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, especially the unique twist on science where the, it's it's not grounded. Like, like you said, the mineral, which separates itself from electricity here and so it still is unique to that world which yeah. i think makes it intriguing well i hope so yeah yeah Alka, the alk trade is you know it's it's big money there's a lot of people who are involved in and there's of course a lot of pirates who like to waylay the ships that are trading back and forth definitely a thing if you're going out into the sea of clouds you know you definitely want a few cannons on your ship just to just to deter people who are coming up to to jack you nice right yeah that's interesting and the stories are there are they going to be chronological or are they going to be different adventures in some respects or uh, they're going to be chronological the idea is to pace this uh, series more like a the pacing of a tv show than a movie series mm. okay so every episode kind of it has its adventure it makes its point but it continues the overall story which is oh, that's cool yeah cal learning about this uh kind of dealing with these this treacherous conspiracy that's going on that is going to be covered more in the first full-length book in the series called mechanical dreams is coming out hope september or october it's almost finished got to get some of the art pieces back and there's some a little bit of editing that still needs to be done okay expected difficulties is out it is available and this this is kind of a day in the life of cal as he goes through his city does his job it talks about the main character and has an adventure where Cal has been assigned to protect this person named Naldine Drogan, who is this prestigious academic. The only problem is his, well, his accomplishments are very noteworthy. His reputation is somewhat tainted by accusations of blackmail and bribery and other nasty things he's done to make sure that he gets his research materials over other people. Ah. And Cal has been asked to keep this guy safe as he goes and makes a somewhat unscrupulous deal with another, with a kind of a black market trader. And of course, Cal is concerned because there's people who absolutely hate Naldine Drogan. And it's up to him to make sure that none of Drogan's enemies jump in and backstab him. And he's concerned about this meeting. He's sure something's going to go wrong. Maybe he's right. You're going to have to read the book to find out. And once again, that's Cal's, you know, what Cal believes in these ideals, he does have to walk the fringes of the law in order to get things done. And he's got to kind of juggle these two things. So do you have any authors that you've taken inspiration from or that you really are a fan of? Yeah, actually. Like I said, I really like Jim Butcher. I like mm -hmm. the Dresden Files. I think there's any good thing, a really good thing about Jim Butcher is he really knows how to make a character feel real and believable. Yeah. Harry feels really relatable. And I try to, you know, you always try to learn from people who are good. And that's one thing I tried to take, you know, learn from Jim Butcher. Completely opposite of the end of the scale. I also really like Robert Jordan. Mm, yeah, yeah. Will of Time. Oh yeah, very yeah. good series. Brandon Sanderson. I guess he finished up with the last three books. He did a yep. good job too. A, a little bit more maybe because he was starting to ghostwrite for him. No, it's just yeah. uh, three books. But I thought he was helping in the. No, no. Three. Robert Jordan is on book eleven that he completed, and then he is trying to finish the thirteen as one final installment. That was not going to happen. I know. <laughs> yeah. No way. <laughs> Although, in a lot of respects, Brendan Sanderson winged most of the, like, the notes were not, that were left for him were not as prodigious as initially thought. Oh, really? But, yeah. I would never have guessed it. He did I such know. a good job. As for a ghostwriter, especially with all that buildup, I mean, his 11 books, it's, 
uh, completed, I think it's almost four million words. It's, it's enormous. Crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you could beat a man to death with those books. <laughs> Each single one. Yeah. 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 So Robert Jordan, who else? As far as Robert Jordan, I guess if there's one thing I really always respected about him, it's his world building. Mm-hmm. He was always able to make these interesting people, these interesting cultures, and make it all fit in together in a way that's believable. This is really impressive, the amount of patience it took yeah. to construct so laboriously that entire world, too. Well, it's amazing if you go on and you, you know, before he passed away, he would answer a question from a fan every week, and you could send him in letters, and he'd answer stuff, and just... Uh, the depth of knowledge he had about his series, just all the notes he had, notes on who knew what, when, where, and how. Really impressive just how together he had that. Yeah, he was very detail-oriented. Do you know that he used to work as a nuclear engineer? What, seriously? No, I did not yeah, know that. Yeah, yeah, he did. He worked <laughs> for the Navy. Yeah. Wow, that's, uh, no, I had no idea. That's yeah. that's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. But, yeah, Robert Jordan is, is a really enjoyable author. Have you read any of his other books, like his Conan books? And, I did. I read the yeah. Conan book. It was not as good as Wheel of Time. I'll, I'll be honest with <laughs> no, you. No, it was not. It was not. As far as other authors I really like, i got to say Treasure Island, always been a favorite of mine. Robert I don't know if you've, Lewis Stevenson, yeah. If you ever read the book, that, that's, that's just a good one. You, you, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. As far as other ones, Count of Monte Cristo, absolutely, absolutely amazing yeah. book. Unabridged too. It's that is a fantastic book. One of my favorites ever. You know, I think the reason that one has stood the test of time is just how much, how badly Dante got stabbed in the back, and how much you want this guy to win. I mean, you're rooting for him so hard, even when at the end he starts doing some kind of awful things to people. Really, really awful. <laughs> he was essentially a villain at the he end. Kind of was. Yeah, and there's so few movies that get that right. There's so many that try to kind of, you know, pad Dante a little is, bit. And... I know, like the U.S. release, they totally changed the ending and tried to make it really happy because it is such a depressing ending in the book. Oh, like it is yeah. horribly, no one's happy at all. And, yeah, it's just so... He's completely stomped everybody he doesn't like. <laughs> yeah. There's collateral damage all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so, uh, what about like Jules Verne and Jules Verne? I yeah, Jules Verne is he's probably is the original steampunk author. Mm. Really, I just got finished rereading Twenty Thousand Leagues mm. Under the Sea. Yeah, really good book. Although I had forgotten just how ambiguous Captain Nemo is. He never does answer any of the questions about him, which is like, <laughs> who is this guy? Come yeah. on, tell us. <laughs> I was listening to the audio book, book version of that, and yeah, uh, yeah it's it, it, everything is just like, let's put a pin in that. Boop. Hey, want to go hunting? Here, uh, put this on. Here's, here's a snorkel. We're gonna we're gonna go hunting. Yeah. yeah, jump in, fight a shark. You know, yeah. Captain Nemo's just a baller that way. <laughs> also, Ned Land and Sail, like their relationship is, is basically the story of uh, of a huge gay Canadian whaler and his <laughs> and his uh, and his Asperger spectrum friend who likes fish. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's the B plot of that. There's there's actually a romance story there that's just. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, Ned Land. Oh, he's great. He's the Wolverine of that piece. Oh, he is. You really kind of feel bad for him though. Just you know, just basically most of the book is him walking around, pacing the submarine, grumbling, wanting to get away. <laughs> Jules Verne, really good. Roger Zelazny. Yes. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. No, Lord of Light and also Chronicles of Amber. Chronicles of Amber. Yeah, Amber is so really good. good. He finished all of that. I've just done the first five books. Yeah. Do but... you have you read all of Chronicles? I have read the first five. Uh, That's the best part yeah. of it. <laughs> 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 it's kind of on my right to do list. I haven't got yeah. there yet. 
you know, that was one thing when I was reading Rogers Elasney. You know, none of his books in the Chronicle series are long. Yeah. They're all really good. They never bog down. They've got good fast pace. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when you were describing your series, because I I like that. So that was kind of the idea I got for that. I was like, you know, it doesn't need to be huge. This guy, he makes so many points so quickly, and it never slows down. And it accomplished tons of stuff. Yeah, the first book alone, it's amazing how much was packed into that one this is like 120 pages. I know, well, because the whole anthology is like 1,100 pages, and I'm reading that Patrick that Rothfuss book that's 1,100 pages for <laughs> one book. And you go, whoa, and it's good, but that's what I always told Jordan. I'm like, why does fantasy have to kill a small forest to tell its story every time? <laughs> and, and, you know, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, you look at some of the really, there's some really significant novellas that have been written. Of mm-hmm. Mice and Men, a novella. The Time Machine, yeah. also a novella. Yeah, I love that. Um, the Pearl, Old Man in the Sea. Yep. All really good, but none of them take too long to make their point. Well, even Brandon Sanderson, my favorite thing I read of him was The Emperor's Soul, and that's yeah. a novella. That's yeah. That's a hundred and something pages, that, I think. That's the one that won him the Hugo. Yeah. Mm. So, I, I and I like long fantasy when it's good, but I do. I like the short stuff, too. Well, seeing as I'm kind of new, trying to get my name out there, kind of the idea is, look, my stuff's not long. It's good. Mm-hmm. You know, try it. It won't take up too much of your time. You'll like it. And then with try. Bob, are you guys selling the hard copy edition through his store, through Captain Bengals? There is no, I don't have a plan yet for a hard copy. Okay. Those are a little pricey to print. Yeah. that's what... As of yet, I'm going with uh, Create Space okay. uh, on-demand printing. It's a little bit cheaper. Uh, if there's any other independents out there, Amazon's actually a really good company to work with. Yeah. Um, their their deals with independent authors are actually pretty fair. Yeah. Okay. And considering how big they are, they didn't have to be. You know, they're nicer yeah. than they had to be. So Well, there are a lot of success stories, like the guy who wrote The Martian. That was originally published, I think, through Amazon, wasn't it? It was independent it was, yeah. publishing. Yeah, because yeah. it, it was, was a good hard book. to get copies yeah. of that book before the movie was announced and stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, and then well, it was picked up by an, a publisher, and because it's really hard to get into the business now. It, yeah. It's well, so saturated. I think that's the thing with Amazon, though, is honestly, that's their roots. They were a book selling, uh, yeah. online bookstore. And it is cool because I, um, yeah, and I heard the printing was really expensive because I remember when Jason Brubaker was talking about that too, that yeah. trying to get his Kickstarter, he's like, that's the bulk of the cost and expenses getting those books printed and stuff and shipped out and everything. It's really hard. Yeah, the good news with Amazon, at least with my kind, I don't think you could do this with like a graphic novel like Jason does. Yeah. But, you know, with, uh, with paperbacks, and the illustrations are going to be in expected difficulties. It will be up on Amazon for hard copy, hopefully next week. Okay. I, I just got the last proof from the typesetter, so Ooh, nice. You know, knock on whatever this is. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> if, if everything's okay, we'll be up. We'll be up and running shortly. We'll just call it wood. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> one of the mic stands is made out of wood. <laughs> yeah. The neat thing about it is, uh, you can go. You can post your book. It's print on demand. So you set up your price. They tell you this is how much it costs to print it. You're probably going to want charge more than that. You know, mm. obviously. So you're not going out of pocket every time somebody buys your book. But that way, people buy it, they print it. You're not stuck with like 5,000 copies in your garage that you can't yeah, sell. exactly. Don't have a lot of upfront uh, printing costs. But uh, yeah, as soon as that gets done, um, I will be uh, printing out a few copies. I'll be selling around town. We're heading to, uh, Bob and I are heading to Salt Lake Comic Con in September. And we'll be selling some copies there. So if, oh, if, yeah. you, if you're there, look me up. Yeah, cool. I will. I'm planning on going. So, oh, awesome. Uh, with you making so you know these little short stories, instead of this giant one like you were saying, instead of waiting, having to wait like a year or five to make the next one, 
you think it's better because we've talked about this like with George R. R. Martin. He's producing a book every twenty plus years, <laughs> <laughs> literally. Um, this you know with yours with these smaller snippets, it's a little bit better for the fans. So you can write these for the fans. So it, you know the you being an artist, you know, or for this in this form, you have you think it's good for the fans. Or you're helping. You, you want this to yeah. get out the fans. You support the fans with this. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, let's be honest. You know, we understand there is going to be a time period between when you know when you end your book and when the next one's going to be released. That said, it can get frustrating when it lasts a long time, mm-hmm. especially when you don't know when it's going to come out, and there's kind of a big question mark as far as the release date. What I want to do is get to the point where I have a very regular release schedule. I'd like to be putting out a book every six months. We're not uh, we're not there yet. You want to stick with that same because yeah, you seventy pages. Every six months, or no? That was the. That's just the novelette. That's the free one. Okay. Um, which is cool. You should check it out. Yeah. Oh um, no, totally going to. <laughs> but there's what are you thinking about size for these every six months? As far as size, to put things into perspective, I believe the the first book in Game of Thrones, I believe, was two hundred thousand words. It was somewhere around it's that. Three hundred thousand. Three hundred thousand. Okay. A mechanical Dreams tip the scale about forty-five thousand. Oh, okay, so yeah, it's about the yeah. size of Harry Potter almost. Yeah, it's, it's, that's not that's pretty good actually. Yeah, yeah. So, really forty-five thousand. You know, it's it's not huge. You know, it's not like you know three hundred thousand, but uh, it, it's enough. You know, to give you a good good meat to bite into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. But yeah, what I really want to do is have a regular release schedule so people know this is when it's coming out. This is how long I have to wait and get nice and regular with that. Okay. Well, it's exciting. Like all the authors you've cited, I totally dig. Like, awesome. They're, they're really great. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, and also it is pretty unique. Like there aren't very many authors, steampunk. It's some, some genres, like they, they do have their sinusoidal peaks and troughs, like they appear and then they disappear. <laughs> and yeah, unfortunately, steampunk, you don't see many books of that nature around. At least Which, I'm not aware of any. It's, it's unfortunate. It was actually, it was Kevin Jetter. He was a cyberpunk writer who coined the term steampunk, wrote a letter to Locust Magazine, and he said, I think this is going to be the next big thing. It was kind of steam age fantasy. If we can come up with a name for it, I call it steampunk. And the name really stuck. uh, Well, there's a lot of stuff out there that's, you know, nothing's really, nothing really seems to have hit the mass market, at least not really heavily. Right. Except maybe, I don't know how Jim Butcher's latest book sold. There's actually a link to it on my website if you want to go check that out. You know, it's I read it. It's really good. You should read it, too. Yeah, that's good because I saw him in, speak at Comic-Con, the last Comic-Con. And he was talking about that book and the future Butcher or Dresden book. And he was trying to – he said that he had released one every six months. And I know he's insane. He's a maniac. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it's, it is really interesting because I guess you do see – more steampunk stuff in the from Japan, like the yeah. video games and also the anime. There's quite a bit of steampunk. Steam Boy, wasn't it? That was wasn't yeah, that? Yeah, Steam Boy. Yeah. That was yeah. uh, that was pretty good. But it's not as there's large. a few uh, comic books like Lady Mechanica. I've never heard of that. Uh, it's a, it, they made like a small run about five years ago, and it they just started redoing it again. So there's another run going on right now. Okay, is it good? I enjoyed it. All right. Lady Mechanica. I have not read that one. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. Kind of like a female Indiana Jones, uh, but steampunk time period. I'm intrigued already. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They made uh, genetic alterations, and so she was kind of a creation, and she was like, no, I am not 
You know, <laughs> kind of like the Westworld. I am not property. I am an individual. <laughs> Have you seen the Very latest nice. trailer for Westworld? Yes. I know. I'm excited. <laughs> I hope it's good. I I just I keep on turning it down though when it's supposed to be released because it's September is it that official? Yeah, yeah. it's going to have the the fall block. Okay, so now I know when I can ca- that I can cancel my HBO Now subscription <laughs> and then resubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> have you seen the original Westworld? Yes, it's really good, isn't it? I really enjoy it. Uh, I have not seen the sequel, which is Future World. I haven't seen that either. I I know it's existence, but it. it I didn't hear as much good about it, but. Huh. Westworld is the original Westworld with Yul Brenner. Brenner. Yeah, Yul Brenner. Yul Brenner kind of made that movie. Yeah. So. <laughs> if it, there's it's no, if, if they swapped out Yul Brenner for anyone else, it wouldn't have been that good. Uh, there could have been a few, but you could have like did. Steve McQueen. You had to have, you had to have the, you had to have the tough guy cowboy. Uh-huh. You had to have that. Yeah, and that, that was some of the stuff. I think that Clint Eastwood's son, I forgot his name. They they really should, I think um, they should put him in it. He has. A, I knew he had a daughter. She's occasionally Allison Eastwood or whatever. But I didn't know he had a son who was prominent in media. Uh, yeah, he looks exactly like him. Like even the posters they do with him. Really? Scott Eastwood. Ah. Here, oh, sorry. And we'll, oh, and we'll, yeah, we'll put a I've link. We'll put, put a picture in the show. <laughs> yeah. Notes and, wow, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, looking through a time machine. Oh, there, yeah, <laughs> even bigger picture. I mean, it, it looks like, he it looks like the like young a version. cross between Clint Eastwood and uh, Captain America. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, uh, I think Chris Evans. Evans. Yeah, Evan, he played like The Longest Ride. He's going to be in Suicide Squad. He was in Fast 8. Oh, yeah, this this is like the poster I was talking, the Diablo. Oh, come on. Make it bigger. I mean, that's Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's, that's just uh, a total Clint Eastwood poster. <laughs> definitely. And <laughs> Walton Goggins. Yeah, <laughs> I think man, Eastwood is yeah. intentionally a bigger font there. I think they kind of did that on purpose. Yeah. So Walton Goggins, he does need more attention because he is great in The Shield and, oh, Justified. Yeah. yeah that was a good series. It is a very good series. It had best dialogue of any television series. Timothy Oliphant can do kind of quiet building rage better than just about yeah, anybody. I know. I mean, it's just great. He made that character. <laughs> I love that. He drops a bullet on someone's head and says, next one's coming faster. <laughs> <laughs> he just yeah. had all the great lines. But yeah. So, oh, so your book sounds, it sounds really, really interesting. Yeah. Look, uh, we'll get the links in the show notes. And yeah, there's, uh, if anybody is interested in what I've been talking about, head to the website under the com. That's the name of the series. Uh, once you're there on the main page, you can sign up for our newsletter. If you do that, you'll get a free copy of uh, a free downloadable copy of Second Chances. Uh, you can read that right now. And also, you won't miss any announcements, and you'll be prepped and ready when the first book comes out. Okay. Sweet. And uh, work on, hopefully next week, you'll be able to get the hard copies yeah. going, and so that'll work out. Yeah, expected difficulties, what I call book zero. Kind of a funny story how that one came to be. It was originally the first chapter of Mechanical Dreams. And it was just kind of this supposed to be day in the life of Cal. This is him going. This is the first chapter. Then we get into the main story. <laughs> and everybody was everybody was like, well, how does this tie in? We want to hear how this finishes. You just leave us hanging. This is stupid. We want to know how this ends. And I was like, oh, okay. So I ended up breaking out the first chapter, grew up and moved out, kind of became its own story. It used to be four pages, and it ended up being about 70 or so. So it, it, it kind of bloated a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's token but, uh, it grows in the telling. Yes, he grew up. 
And that's the one that expected difficulties. That's the one that is out on Amazon right now with Mechanical Dreams will be coming out later this year. So uh, definitely go check out the website. And I think we're probably in the end of the podcast. Was there anything else you wanted to say to the website? or? Except that uh, there's some awesome art by Bob Beeson there. You really should check out Bob's art. Bob is, he's, he's just got an amazing style. It's very unique. It's worth looking at just for that. Yeah, he's cool. he's really cool. I've got what is it? His the mascot series hanging in my basement. Yeah, yeah. Bob got a picture there. There was some guy who was going to go to one of the Comic Cons cosplayed as Captain Bangle, and I really wanted to see <laughs> yeah. that. It's like this bodybuilder guy. It's like it's awesome. Do that. Nice. <laughs> All right. I warned you earlier. We're still not ready. We've been doing it for four years. We're gonna finish the episode with our famous last words. Goodbye, everybody. Uh, I'm going to go get my ticket for Killing Joe tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, someone needs to actually make a faithful, good adaptation of Count of Monte Cristo. Seriously. <laughs> There's actually an anime version called Gankutso. Very good. Oh, really? Oh. And go visit underthenine sons.com. <laughs> <laughs>